0: The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up.
1: Every once in a while, my, my MacBook, um, so it's, it's like a little bit of an older MacBook Air mm-hmm. uh, Siri pops up. <laughs> and so like I have a Siri notification. So I lose audio for like two seconds, but I don't think um, it impacts. Like you might be able to hear me. I just can't hear myself. So mm-hmm. like <laughs> every once in a while that will happen. I honestly don't even know what triggers it. Because um, <laughs> like I just, I, I could say Siri, not, and it doesn't, oh, there it is. <laughs> so can you hear me right now?
0: Yes, I can. Did you hear what
1: I just said? Okay, yes. all right, fine. So I'll just keep talking through it and uh, and just try to uh, click off the notification as quick as possible. A little bit of a...
0: I think somebody needs to make a, uh, a web page or something saying like all the words that sound like Siri that triggers it so like people can kind of, oh, wait, you don't say that word because it'll... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly
1: yep and maybe the older versions of uh siri enabled macbooks um maybe catch uh, a couple extra words in there yeah that she
0: shouldn't (laughs) i'm trying to think now i was like i can't think anything that sounds like uh dennis leary i don't know if uh
1: sorry say that again I, I lost you again because she she popped up again. <laughs> I, I said, I said oh, Dennis Leary. Oh, nice, nice.
0: Uh, yes, <laughs> that that probably is is probably close enough. Welcome to season six, episode six of the Better Band Podcast, an all encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song "Thin Air" from Binaural, and my guest today is Jeff Bonanto. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Excited Hi, to talk about. Oh, if <laughs> you ask how I'm doing and you plow through, oh, don't give me a chance to respond.
1: Oh man, I screwed it up. Sorry
0: about that. you want to start again? <laughs> no, that's fine. It's totally okay. <laughs> okay. No, you can keep on going, say what your
1: uh, spiel was. I'm excited to talk to you today. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I <can tell.
0: laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. Uh, all things considered, I guess just like everybody else. Yep, that seems to be uh,
1: the consensus answer in these times.
0: Uh, So we've got this song, uh, Words and Music by Stone Gossard. And uh, before we start talking about it, though, this is your first time on the show. And uh, you have to go through the same ritual as everyone else. I have to ask you, Jeff, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, a couple of different phases to that um, inception into Pearl Jam fandom. But, you know, the first time I heard about them was around the time 10 was released. At that point, I was uh, seven, eight years old. Um, so, probably the Jeremy video was the first time I was exposed to them, as I'm sure probably is. Um, Pretty common for others in my age group, um, so that was my first exposure. And then I also remember the Alive video. I don't think I had, you know, the, the album or the the CD or the the cassette at that point. So I guess the really the the more the deeper exposure was with Verses, um, which I remember my sister had a copy of, and I was able to get my hands on it. My my sister was five years older than me. She exposed exposed me to some awesome music, and um, you know, from like the Talking Heads to To the Grateful Dead, and Mm -hmm. and um, eventually uh, Pearl Jam made its way into her rotation, and and I was able to snag a copy of Verses, and I remember digging in more deeply at that point. And then you know a couple of years later, or I guess what was it a year later, Vitalogy. I remember was actually the first CD that I ever actually you know physically purchased in a CD store with my own money. Um, So that's sort of a, a a longer origin story across the first first three albums.
0: Did you, were you paying much attention to music when you were younger then, or you said you kind of were like eight or so when uh 10 came out? Definitely.
1: Right. So I'm just trying to get that math right. But yeah, that, that, that's right. Born in 1984. Yeah. I mean, definitely a, an, a child of MTV. So like MTV was mostly what I was exposed to. So everything that was on MTV at that time, you know, including, you know, I guess, you know, Beavis and Butthead and, and things like that, but a lot of the music that was on there, I don't think that there was necessarily like a consistent thread to what I liked other than what they were shoving in front of us at the time. So Mm -hmm. like there's probably I was probably into some of the pop, but I was also into the, you know, I remember like Blind Melon, No Rain was always on. Um, Obviously, a lot of Pearl Jam, obviously a lot of Nirvana. So I think maybe I was starting to gravitate towards towards rock and grunge, if if you will, and and whatnot. But um, generally, I was just kind of like relatively open minded to music. But uh, wasn't playing music or anything like that. I mean, you know, probably did some, you know, singing in the school choir and stuff like that. But I don't think I, I had no sort of innate skill or, or anything, other than just sort of a you know a fundamental interest in the way that music could uh, be visualized in, in video form. So it probably took a few years after that, and probably even after I purchased that Vitalogy album, before I really sort of like started digging into music on like a like a really a really deep you know on visceral level. Um, which I did much, which I did later in life, and probably more around high school, and then definitely into college. And, and Pearl Jam was along for the ride there, but uh, definitely took a few years to uh, to kind of get going. But I do remember that that Vitalogy album definitely had an impact on me, as I'm sure it would for many people. A lot of it being like the booklet and all the crazy stuff that was in there, the lyrics, um, and just obviously all how awesome um, all the different uh, songs were. I remember, I remember it being. Um, you know, sort of like a not like a scary record, but like it was just like such a like a dark and broody record. Yeah. And it kind of was a cool, a cool listening experience for, you know, a kid, you know, kind of, uh, you know, starting to, have to grow up and understand the wor- world a little bit more in a a deeper fashion. And so that was like a really, really interesting album to explore. Now I go back to that one in addition to all the albums by Norrell, et cetera, a lot. And Vitalogy is probably my favorite album. And that's partly because um, I love Ed's songwriting and I love Ed's, uh, the songs that Ed writes, lyrics and song. Uh, I love his guitar playing. And um, I really, that's like probably the first Ed album right um probably the one that's probably the has his has the ed better stamp yeah. more so than any of these others which is interesting because we're talking about thin air today which is not an ed song but i like that <laughs> because I could, i'll tie it together to that and how i uh i also love these other songs too yeah
0: yeah so uh this is uh like i said on by fe uh debuted it at bridge school in uh 99 on the first of the two nights that they're playing and then they uh played nothing as it seems on the other night so busting out some songs from Bynarl pretty early there have you ever seen this song have you gone to many shows
1: yeah so i've been to probably about um i've been to about a dozen shows it's the funny mm-hmm. thing so the funny thing about that number right so that's probably not a huge number in the aggregate especially compared to the the massive fan base that the gym has but i've been to a lot of like pretty um well-known shows but again i haven't seen thin air but uh as part of the shows i've been to i've been to like the spectrum i went to three of the four oh, spectrum cool. closure nights nice, in philly those were a lot of fun being in the east coast right i'm able to get to some of the some of the cooler shows that they do yeah. a lot of bunch of shows in boston Brooklyn um, at the Brooklyn uh, Nets Arena Barclays Center a couple years ago was one that stood out. But State College was the first one I saw. State College 03, mm-hmm. which I know <clears throat> I know is kind of a show that's part of Pearl Jam lore. Although maybe a little bit less so than than I remembered it being. Just I think I think it hasn't aged as well as some of the other Pearl Jam classics because there was a lot of flubs. Um, they played a lot of songs they hadn't played in a while. But that was the first show. And anyway, so representative of the fact that I've been to some pretty cool shows that are sort of part of, of the Pearl Jam live canon, but unfortunately have not seen any um, where Thin Air has been featured. And maybe it's because a lot of those shows I have been to are like bigger productions, the, the Spectrums, the, the Gardens, um, et cetera. And I feel like Thin Air is like a more intimate song. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like I feel like it's it's almost reserved for certain venues, certain times of the year, et cetera. It's only been played, what, like 40, 50 times? Something like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. As of this recording, though. But, right, right. Uh, they're not really playing anything else. So, uh, <laughs> hey, it's going to be a pretty solid number there for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, they played it, of course, more when they were doing the binaural tour. And since then, it has kind of been sort of, uh, relegated to kind of a, um, more intimate sort of setting for certain songs and stuff. So, like your Bridge Schools, or like they, they busted it out at the Benaroya Hall show, where it's uh, infamous for having yeah. that uh, solo mess up there at the and beginning. I know
1: Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention that. Um, so, "Thin Air" is also one of the first songs I started to try to learn on the guitar, and it's an awesome guitar song because pretty much all the major chords are are in the song uh, throughout the chorus, verse, etc. But um, one of the I forget the guy's name, but he's he's also probably a well known Pearl Jam fan. He has a, he has an awesome YouTube um, guitar series, and he he was going through the the. Um, you know, the instruction of how to play thin air. And he flubbed the the same part. And he said, I pulled a <laughs> Ben of Royal Hall. And then I realized I, I never connected two together. I never thought of it being such a like well-known uh, flub from Stone, but clearly it was. And actually I went back to the Matt from let's play all uh, series. or no, What is his name? Um, oh, it's another it's one. Another one. Yeah, there's probably, there's so many out there. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Though, but yeah, that is a, that is a pretty historic flub at this point. But uh, it's funny. Oh, so the story I had, and again, you probably might know this better than I have, but it seems like since they've played Thin Air since that show, since Ben and Roy Hall, does it seem like I was looking at a, one of the clips and I, f- I forget what it is. It might've been um, another time that they've played Thin Air since then on YouTube. And it looks like Ed is really like staring at Stone after that, <laughs> that riff, whatever you call it, that solo riff. It's like, just make sure you got this, right, buddy? You got this. And it's almost as if um, like, The rest of the band is doing the same thing too, just like tongue in cheek. Like, you're gonna be able to get through this. I mean, you did write this, right? So (laughs) it's it's funny, but it is a little tricky lick. I mean, again, I'm 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 not a great guitar player, but like I'm I'm good enough to know that like it's something that even you know you know really really strong guitar players can struggle with a little bit because there's like a little bit of a you know you're going up 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 the um, up and down uh, the frets there, and using a lot of different notes within a pretty short time frame. So, but it's I love that little little part of the song. Definitely adds another another nuance to it
0: yeah, so let's get into the song. I don't think there's any more uh, sort of background stuff on it, really. It's one of those songs it's uh like I said, it hasn't been played a whole lot, but it's got um it's got a pretty good sound to it. Uh, what's oh is there something about this song that made you uh, want to pick it and talk uh, talk about it? yeah, it always kind <clears>
1: of <throat> it always kind of stood out to me as a little bit of an outlier on on the album and even within their canon because it's it's sort of like a campfire vibe type of song. And a lot of those are kind of more, tend to be more Ed songs, right? Ed on acoustic or Ed on, uh, Ed on you know, an electric playing, you know, quietly yeah. by himself. So I've always liked the, that vibe to it and the fact that it's Ed singing from the perspective of Stone or, or the narrator that Stone creates, but he still sort of definitely kind of makes it his own with the way he sings it, especially sort of during the bridge uh, near the end of the song. When he kind of has that sort of sort of cathartic moment at the end, so like that's always attached me to it. Is like I just thought like between the two, like between the two of them, they sort of really co-owned it and um, created a song that is still a little atypical of the rest of Pearl Jam songs. Um, And then also the other the other dimension to that is I was I've learned to play it on guitar, and it's one of the one of those fun songs to pick up to play because again, like I said, has all those different chords to it just a really cool rhythm really cool strumming pattern it's got some unique elements to it too right like that little solo is uh early on in the song like right after the first chorus where normally that would be right that'd be like after you know after the second chorus so it's it's, it's unique right it's unique in so many mm-hmm. different levels right unique to pearl jam unique in general and um just just a cool vibe it's kind of a nice kind of a nice break too from what's was sort of a dark record, um, gnarl. um, had a lot of, you know, political overtones to it, um, had some, some brooding moments to it, you know, some reflections of, you know, past, etc. And thin air is a little bit of a, not lighter in terms of like, you know, like a, you know, light and easy song, but like, there's, there's some light to the song, right. It's generally, there's struggle inherent in the lyrics, but generally the strong, the song ends on a, on a cathartic positive note. And so it's just like, it's just one of those tunes that like you can put on anytime and feel pretty good about.
0: Yeah, there's a light when my baby's in my arms. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, the lyrically it does seem kind of um yeah, it's it sort of like kind of eh, kind of like a straightforward love song. There's kind of some I don't know, a little bit of dark just sort of like oh, you know, this, you know, this person is the, could possibly be the only thing right. that, you know, brings light into my life or something like that. And then sort of the second verse is sort of, um, you know, there's all this trouble and stuff around us and, um, you know, we're we're, we're we're hanging in there or something. And then you got the third verse where it's just kind of like not no it, it it seems like a very sort of uh, we've been together for a while and it's kind of, uh, you know, the shine's wearing off possibly and we kind of don't know what we're doing here. And, you know, we're not as madly in love as we were in the beginning. And so kind of what is what is the relationship supposed to be after, you know, a certain point when you're I think you're in their mid 30s, I think, when this right. uh, Stone wrote this song. So I don't know how long he'd been with whoever he's with or if he had been with anybody or whatever at that point. And I think, uh, Ed's relationship was dissolving at this point in, uh, in time too. So I don't know if he kind of felt yep. A, a, yep. a connection to it through stone's words or not.
1: Yeah. That definitely sort of adds another dynamic to it when you think about it like that. Cause yeah. Cause I mean, for all we know, yeah, stone's, um, love was coming together and, and like you said, it mm-hmm. was dissolving. So that creates a, it's interesting tension there to me it's always been kind of like the the lyrics are kind of like reflected that love is a you know a relationship is a journey to struggle but you know like any any good relationship that's worth fighting for you got to get through got to get through the challenging parts to get to the best parts to get to the top to get to the, the thin air where um the hearts come together as one
0: so the 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 thin air the titular thin air that's referenced in here yep. do you think that yep. it has to do with a sort of like altitude the air getting thin hot you know the higher up you go or do you think it's like a sort of out of thin air like a magic sort of coming out of of nowhere
1: i interpret it as altitudinal thin air and maybe part of that is shaped by i don't remember where this came from and, and you might but like there i think at one show ed said something about the song was originally called and maybe this is just a rumor you know the song was originally called love at 5000 feet or something like that so uh this next song stone wrote this next song and uh, i think the original title was uh falling in love at 5000 feet uh the next title was uh uh falling
0: in love in denver The other
1: title was getting my wallet st- stolen and tell your ride. Uh,
0: it ended up being called uh, thin air.
1: So for some reason that had probably has shaped my interpretation of it. So I've, I've always sort of thought of it as like metaphorically, it's like they're, he's talking about love and a relationship, but potentially at the same time, it's it's actually a physical journey that that they're going on. Maybe they're going up a mountain. Like maybe they purpose. Maybe this these individuals in a relationship purposefully went up, you know, on this crazy climb um, to sort of test, you know, not just their, their, their physical strength, but maybe their, their emotional strength. And um, to see like, you know, if sort of the, the elements could kind of shape their relationship and, you know, clearly by the end of the song, once they're at sort of thin air, which again could mean it could be any point, but if you think about thin air being sort of at a, at a high altitude, then maybe you can think about it being at the top. That's where uh, she's reached his heart. So clearly, to me, that says, you know, they withstood the elements and the uh, the challenging task at hand. And, um, you know, they seem to be in a better place for it. So I, so it's like I kind of interpret it broadly about, you know, the the general challenge of, a, of any relationship, but there being ups and downs. But also, like, specifically, I, I, I sort of look at it with this sort of outdoorsy vibe. I always, like, thought of you know stone writing it in like a big parker with uh you know maybe like a headlamp on um, <laughs> maybe he's in some sort of like washington cabin you know before he's setting out for a hike or after that something like that and and then i always thought you know ed gravitated to it as well because you know he's an outdoorsy guy and he um you know he took the lyrics too and gave them his own sort of uh meaning as well when he saying them out so yeah so i definitely definitely sort of look at it from that way Mm but i don't know i don't know about what you what do you think
0: no yeah it's kind of i can i can get that i can see that as sort of um possibly you know his heart or whatever being up at the top of this mountain and he needs to you know go with this woman who is possibly like a sherpa sort of uh figure who will know how to navigate their way to yeah his heart which you know possibly is isolated up there because it's maybe like a seat of knowledge sort of like a uh, uh all-knowing sort of hermit guy or something that you have to go up there to get uh, enlightenment from or possibly stuck up at the top like a prize or you know it's up there so that it it won't get hurt from everything else that's going on on the ground and stuff trying to 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 protect yourself from the world and from love or from other people and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it does seem like he's saying that whatever is at the top there, be it a, a sherpa or whatever whatever experience it is is worth is worth it.
0: Mm. But he's also
1: at the same time saying like like there's the line um love can keep on moving in both directions, which probably means multitude of different things but that could mean like you know if you don't make it to the top you know we'll still we'll still probably exist um we'll still probably find our way but it's worth it to get there if we can
0: yeah i think that that last verse is probably the most at least um at at least for me where i'm in where i am in my life right now being married for a while and all this sort of stuff you know it's not on my past to presume love can keep on moving in both directions. Sort of, I, I get that as like, you know, I've had relationships end in the past and, you know, nothing lasts forever. So why would I assume that this will or something? But it's, you know, it's it's an agreement, I guess, that you take on when, you're, when you have a partner or something. Kind of, okay, you know, we may not like each other every day, but, you know, we love each other. <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. Exactly, and that's the and that's the quest you're on together, right? You're trying yeah. to be uh, happy and true. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I feel that way too. And it's funny too. You said you mentioned that Stone was probably in his mid thirties, and I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, thirty six years old. So I, it's funny because you know I always I always thought of Pearl Jam so much older, right? Because like when you first when I first heard the song, yeah, I was yeah. sixteen years old, and so now it's like I'm the age that Stone was writing about the song. So it's like now I. I, I, I Listen to it in a little bit of a different, probably headspace too. Before it was, I guess, aspirational about, you know, relationship, uh, you know, love. And now, you know, being married, you know, like yourself, it's more like reflective, which is kind of cool as well.
0: Yeah, I think that I I read somewhere recently that with um, Pearl Jam being together for 30 years now, that uh, at this point in their career is where the Rolling Stones were when they released Bridges to Babylon. So oh, thinking like, oh, wow, when that came out, they seemed ancient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, best. right. The Rolling Stones had been been around forever, for always. What the hell? Right, what? right. Protein yeah, can't be that crazy. old, right?
1: <laughs> I know. I still remember to this day how at the Spectrum shows in 20, 2009, I forget why, but Ed was like, I'm not that old, or I'm, I don't know if he was – claiming he is old or isn't old, but I remember him saying, I'm 42. And at the time, again, still, because that was 11 years ago, I thought, wow, 42, man, he's, he's starting to age. But in reality, like, I mean, 42 is not that old.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> just over the horizon now for you, right? right. It's like, yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's always funny when you're, when you're finally following these different bands and you're, you're with them for such a long period of time. Age is uh, a, an, an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I had another like odd interpretation of the song. It's definitely not not the right one because it's obviously about a man and a woman, but it's like, you could almost think like, because right, Ed was going through writer's block, you know, well-documented during mm-hmm. this album, right? Although it's funny because it's well-documented that he's going through writer's block. <laughs> there you go. But he... But he still ended up writing a lot of the songs, right? I know a lot. Of, there were a lot of lyrical contributions from others, but I, I still kind of look at Binaural as almost a very Ed influenced album with a lot of his like politically charged songs, like Grievance and Insignificance and, and, and whatnot. But anyway, he's going through writer's block, and you know maybe this was you know Stone was saw this as an opportunity to um, you know insert his sort of voice back in the band because there had always been sort of like the little bit of the not power struggle, but a little bit of sort of like. Um, power dynamic between the two because stone was the original musical writer and riff writer and then sort of ed sort of became obviously the more um front and center face of the band maybe this is sort of more of a this song's about compromise in in many in many um regards and so sort of maybe sort of like talking about hey don't worry Mm -hmm. ed i can step in here i can put songs together i can i can piece some words together and talk about how you know love and relationships can can grow and go through ups and downs and Mm take different forms and you know we'll get there together eventually so it's definitely not what the song is about but like that's just another way that like a fan could could you know reflect on a song like that especially when it's one where stone is writing is writing the song the the music and the lyrics
0: yeah sort of maybe possibly the 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 heart that's being reached in thin air is sort of um possibly their music is reaching the hearts of so many people who are who are listening and um, you know, it's kind of you're going yes. on this quest with this band together as, you know, they're they've been progressing through their career and everything. And everybody's kinda, you know, you want to decide, oh, do I still want to listen to this band? Do, you know, am I have I outgrown it because they are not making the same music as they were in the beginning when they were in their twenties and stuff, and we were all young and I wanna keep reliving that. And now we're moving on into a, a different phase. Of their uh of their careers yeah
1: definitely yeah yeah i mean th- there's so many different ways to really analyze w- what it could mean but i mean i think like that's that's something that kind of comes comes to mind just because it seems like this was sort of a, a turning point um in the band's direction a little bit right from the um because i think with with yield they became sort of a, again a more inclusive band from a songwriting perspective and then in this one it was like well, are we going to kind of continue to go in that direction or is Ed still going to kind of shape things or does it even really matter? Does does even what we're doing here matter because do our fans still even care about this music because the music we're making is far from the music we were making 10 years ago. Yeah, But maybe, you know, Stone Sang is like, guys just got to stay in it together, you know, fight through it and it'll, it'll be worth it in the end. Another thing that just came to me too is, Wasn't in that touring band DVD, maybe it wasn't this song, weren't there like a lot of, I guess that was 2000 2000 US tour or North America tour, weren't there a lot of like outdoor gigs where they were cold, they were like blowing steam and they were wearing heavy jackets. And maybe that's another reason why I've thought about um, this song being sort of uh, a song of the elements. uh, Yeah, they
0: they were in Europe in in the spring-summer and then towards the okay. uh towards the fall they were in the united states or at least uh, at least i know in the uh on the second leg of that tour and stuff cuz they were the uh you know the 10 year vegas show was in october and they kind of wrapped up before uh, right. thanksgiving and stuff in seattle right. and everything
1: yeah and I, I remember some of those just again from the torn band dvd which also was very central to my uh pearl jam fandom development but i guess i should say more like the the version two like i basically was a fan growing up but once i sort of got into college and i found that dvd then i just got reimmersed into them especially from a live perspective i just remember like the jackets really sticking out we (laughs) haven't watched it in a while the the dvd but i remember like yeah i think it was like there might have been some like bay area shows or something that um they had to bundle up for with unexpected cold fronts um so i've always also had that um relationship with binaural that it's sort of like um an album that's you know written uh, written for for the elements. Same thing with like you know nothing as it seems, which has that you know Montana blue sky sort of uh, vibe to it.
0: Yeah, and plus you know the uh, the album artwork is all celestial bodies and stuff like that too. So it kind of makes you think about being outside in the dark, looking up at the sky. Definitely, yeah, that's that's
1: definitely true. I mean that album artwork definitely stood out. I remember not knowing, mean, not having any real interpretation of it or anything but i remember it being really cool yeah yeah what about you is this is this a song that is a song that you've uh enjoyed and have come back to a lot or is it kind of uh you know a filler song uh
0: it is sort of an album track song for me it's not you know something that gets me real pumped up and stuff like that and i think that there are sort of some of the other slower songs you know I, i prefer of the girl uh to this mm-hmm. i i think that there's sort of like songs that pair up that's kind of like you know there's uh thin air and of the girls kind of like oh uh, do you like either or and insignificance grievance oh uh, you know which one do you like better i'm looking at the, the list now i don't know if there's any other sort of oh yeah maybe nothing as it seems sleight of hand kind of as far as like kind of trippy guitar-ish sort of sounds
1: lots of effects yeah yeah definitely a lot of pedal work and obviously the binaural, binaural rec- recording technique definitely kind of permeated this album for for sure and that, that's one. maybe that's i think that's another reason why thin kind of stands out because it's a little bit less produced overproduced than some of the other some of the other tracks at least in uh, at least in my opinion
0: yeah, I was I was listening to it and it was kind of like, is this one of the before I, you know like looked up officially? it's like, is this one of the binaural yeah. ones? It's like, oh no, this definitely isn't. There's a, a lot of guitar overdubs going all yeah. over the place, going from the right ear and then the left ear and then the center, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's not a uh, that's not live. <laughs> yeah, more
1: yeah, more straightforward. Yeah, like whereas of the girl, that's that's definitely more. That's got the binaural um, effect, full and full and center. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, of the girl, I mean, probably also they, uh, you know. I think they've played that live a lot more than, than Thin Air. Um, So it definitely has that other element to it where like Thin Air is a pretty straightforward song. Mm -hmm. There there really isn't a way to kind of reshape it in the live setting other than Stone messing up his, uh, his part there. (laughs) Um, So that's probably why, like, again, in the, you know, in the canon of of Pearl Jam songs with the song being, you know, both a studio song and a live song, like it's not going to, it's not going to stand out as much because you know they there's not too many different ways to take it but i but i do wonder if they if they ever could try to speed it up a little bit more how it would come across because like the end like the end outro part you know i know she's reached my heart like it is a pretty compelling moment and i wonder if like they just you know they crank up the riffage a little bit more they crank it up a little bit faster it might might make it might make for a little bit of a different a different uh variation but who knows we probably won't ever see that Put yeah.
0: A little uh, given the fly yeah exactly out. exactly <laughs> exactly and then another
1: cool thing that could be cool and i don't think they'll ever do this cuz they probably would have done it now if they would have mm-hmm. but like what about if stone sang in the live live setting right like how are there any songs that are written lyrically by another band member where they don't sing on the album but then in a live setting they sing i can't hmm. I can't think of any and I, but i feel like if there was to be one this would be a pretty easy one to do because it's it's a slower song. It's a little bit, it's campfire right? So it's kind of easy to sing along to. So like, I feel like they could get away with this one. They they don't do that, right? Like Jeff doesn't sing nothing as it seems or anything live, has he?
0: No, I don't think that they've uh, they've traded off on that sort of stuff at all. I know that um, Matt will do a lot of the backing vocals for songs that he's written. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I wonder if there's like a uh, a Stone Sung demo of this locked in their vault somewhere or something.
1: That would be cool. That would be really cool. He definitely sings with some passion. The um, you know, he he's the background singer with some passion on at least a couple of the YouTube clips that I've seen. So I'm sure he's he's given it a whirl before. And if if not, if not as part of the demo, that'd be cool. Well, so yeah. maybe if they're listening, maybe if they're listening, <laughs> it's, it's an idea for uh, Binaural's, um, I guess, the 25th anniversary or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think there's anything else about this song that? It is like it's a, it is a pretty straightforward song, and I think we pretty much were straightforward about it, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, the last thing I would say is like I, when I did was doing some research just on the song. It seems like some fans have interpreted some sort of like more of a sinister vibe to it, I probably related to the the Byzantine lyric, like around you know conflict and maybe you know, do the lyric around doing harm. But I guess the thing I would say is like. I hope, mo- I hope we don't have to interpret that that way. And I think it's really, we should just take it for what it is. It's it's a love song, which is a little bit rare within um, the Pearl Jam, you know, desography, right? Because like most of the love songs aren't pretty straightforward. And this one is pretty much as as clear cut about a relationship as, as, you, as you can get. So we should take it and embrace it and continue to enjoy it as much as we can. And hopefully one day see it busted out at a show down the line.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's sort of the... Periods of a relationship, sort of, you know, you have the beginning, the first verse of the song, you know, and sort of you're learning how to be with somebody and, uh, you know, hesitate when I feel I may do harm to her. It's kind of like, oh, you know what, maybe I shouldn't, you know, go out with my buddies and not tell her where I'm going and then she's going to worry about me and be wondering what the hell's going on and... Then I just show up and like, what? I just went out. And it's like, what the hell? You could I didn't know what the hell was going on. It's like, oh, yeah, that's probably some, I should probably take somebody else's uh, feelings into account because it's, it's the, you know, not just my life, you know, cause my life is intertwined with this other person. Exactly. So, you know, I make an impact. Yep.
1: Yep. Love is a, a shared experience, right? It's a, it's a two way, it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, it's not just about you, right? It's not just about how you feel, right? So you got to take into So you got to take into account the other person's feelings the whole, the whole way through. I think that's definitely part of it as well.
0: So uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this up then. It's been good talking to you. Uh, but so with this being uh, the Pearl Jam PJ 30 year, I've been uh, wrapping up asking people, uh, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? Uh,
1: two things come to mind. One is consistency. Um, I've always felt that they're is an incredibly consistent band with their output. The fact that they've been together for so long with minimal lineup changes, and for me personally, they're just a consistent force uh, in my my musical life. Right. So, like I, I listen to a lot of different music. You know, a lot of different um, genres of music, particularly within rock. But I always come back to Pro Gym because they're that sort of steady, steady rock. And, um, you always know what you're going to get with them. Um, especially when there's like, you know, maybe there's a moment in your life when you're, you know, you're, you're going through a rough patch and you need, you need that sort of steady consistent rock of a band that just always brings it lyrically and, and, and musically. And that's, that's what Pearl Jam has meant to me uh, across the majority of their albums, but particularly, um, you know, binaural and, 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 before. Uh, and then the other thing is just sort of there's a lot of, well, another theme that's always been consistent sort of within the, the lyrics is sort of, um, you know, rebirth and reawakening at any moment, kind of like, you know, live, if you live in the present tense, you're always going to be able to get more out of the next moment. And you're going to be able to, you know, maybe improve your, your lot in life, you just got to have the right mindset. And so I think that that's been a theme, particularly for for Ed and his lyrics. But it's a nice sort of guiding principle to, uh, you know, live in the moment, forget about the past. And um so that type of um, mindset is something that means a lot to me. So I, I associate that with Pearl Jam. And so that's why that's one of the ways they mean uh, something of magnitude to me.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, dorking out about Pearl Jam and, and yeah, given, uh, given giving, giving all of us something to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I've, I've been on some podcasts before, but they have nothing to do with, um, With Pearl Jam or or rock music in general and um, they're not nearly as fun so that was a lot of fun as you said dorking out.
0: Is there there anything that you want to point people towards any if you have social media or you have any projects you have online blogs or stuff that uh, you want people to check out?
1: Sure no uh, we're cooking some stuff up for for projects maybe a blog down the road but um, mostly the best place you can find me is on Twitter at uh, JBenanto J-B-E-N-A-N-T-O and I'm usually tweeting about a bunch of different topics, but uh, primarily about about music uh, and about bands like Pearl Jam.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this uh, comes out in months. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. yeah it gives you are you're, 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 uh, you're under the gun now. You got a, you got a a deadline to meet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's one way to work. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from BetterBandPod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Jeff, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Bob is not here! We have searched every square inch of this base, and all we have found is porno, porno, porno!